Welcome to the Modern Mantra Podcast with Nick Sarafa and Eli Johnston. In this episode, we discuss inner peace and inner freedom their nuances and brainstorm a little bit of a framework to think about inner peace and what isn't and is serving our peace. So enjoy the episode. Cool. So where do we kick this off? How might we promote inner peace? What, where, where does that stem from for you? What what brings that up? I don't know where the word peace came from, but the original prompt was um, inner freedom peace kind of just snuck its way into that. Um, but I feel they're one and the same, aren't they? It's, um, you know, doing whatever you feel called to and heading in the direction that you feel is right. I feel like that's the only way to find freedom. I think, I think it's two different things, peace and freedom. I'm not sure if they go hand in hand necessarily. Right. It's like you can have peace being the man in the cave, right? under these restrictions, or you can have freedom and doing whatever you feel called to um, on a moment's notice. I do believe them to be different concepts. And um, I think we should focus on one. Is it going to be either peace or freedom? (laughs) So so you think that peace and freedom are exclusive? Or like mutually exclusive? I wouldn't say mutually exclusive, but I think you can achieve one through the other. Like you can find freedom through peace or peace through freedom, but I believe them to be two different pursuits. Mm. Right? I think you can achieve freedom through peace. Mm. I, I agree. But in terms of achieving peace through freedom, that's a bit more difficult for me to comprehend. Mm. Yeah, it's it's. You can, I, I'll never forget this image um, of this this boy in Bali. He ended up going to jail for like a decade because of drug use. Right, Bali. It's very taboo to have any sort of drugs on hand. And there's a documentary about Bali prisons where they're scanning the uh, cells, and actually in the middle of the courtyard, you see this young boy sitting in the middle of the courtyard in the prison meditating. And he spends most of his time there. And I, I, you know, it could be one example of someone, maybe, I don't know his internal state, but someone who achieved peace through freedom without freedom, peace in lieu of freedom, right? You can, you can have extremely heavy restrictions, but still achieve a state of inner peace and solace without necessarily having all the freedom in the world to do whatever you want. Right. Which I think speaks to this inner freedom versus this external freedom. But I think inner peace is a good place to focus. Yeah. Yeah. I think inner peace is a good place to focus. Let's do that. Yeah. So So how might we promote inner peace? I think the first uh, step in the process is always defining the problem, right? What's, what does it mean to be peace? I feel like if if you're at peace that you're out of conflict and mm. there it's about realizing what things are bringing you out of your center, right? Understanding one, what is my center? What do I feel called to do? What makes me feel at peace? And two, how do we, how am I out of alignment with that center and what I'm feeling called to do? Um, For me, I feel that peace and freedom, both of them, can be achieved by aligning what you think, what you say, and what you do, right? And, you know, inner peace can be achieved through that alignment, or it can be by not thinking anything, right? (laughs) Not saying anything and not doing anything, right? And that's where I think the contrast stands, right? Like you can have inner peace through freedom by like removing thoughts, but to have ultimate freedom, it's aligning what you think, say, and do. And oftentimes inner peace is you, you turn down the volume on that, um, that narrator, right? What you say doesn't 
necessarily have to come out in the way that you thought it had to. And what you do doesn't necessarily have to be so action oriented. You can achieve inner peace through removal of these identities and these labels of what needs to happen or what should happen. Mm, right. And I think the, the contrast that you mentioned between quieting, you know, quieting yourself versus aligning what you think, say, and do, I think is that difference between renunciation and integration, mm. right? At least in this yeah. modern context, at least in, you know, if you're operating within these mod, this, any modern society, I think it's difficult to quiet yourself and not say anything, right? Uh, figuratively and literally potentially. Um, but yeah, I think this alignment of what you think, say, and do makes a lot more sense in terms of being integrated into these modern contexts. And a big problem is that we don't, yeah, a lot, a lot of the things around us, a lot of the things that get pushed at us and things that we get told to do and a lot of the things that we get fed, that the mind gets fed and the stimulus that it assumes is not enabling inner peace. It actually goes against finding that inner peace. You know, there's a lot of noise, right? There's a lot of noise. And I feel like to achieve inner peace, you have to be able to filter through the noise. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, really, it's really deciding what to pay attention to. Um, and really tuning yourself into the inner monologue, if it does present itself, that is material and brings you closer to your center versus what is immaterial and brings you away from it. Um, there's just a lot, a lot of distraction, right? That you're being pulled in 10,000 different directions and not serving, finding that inner peace. It's, uh, yeah, I guess I guess we get, we need to change the prompt a little bit as well, right? It's like, how do you find inner peace through integration? I think is the question we're asking, rather than how do you find peace through renunciation? Which I think the path is um, not well laid out, but laid out enough where it's been explored and um, thought through. Mm. And I, I I think yeah, the prompt could even be how might we find inner peace in an accelerating world, you know, mm. in a world that is being increasingly sped up in a world that is being fed with more and more stimuli. How do we find, how do we achieve inner peace within this context? Yeah. And I feel like it's most of it is, is focus. I, I feel like, um, the people who really take pride in what they do and and are excited to wake up, right, and follow through with that mission and feel mission oriented um, every day. Those are the people who are the most at peace. It's funny because it's a very hard thing to measure, right? Peace. It's um, yeah, very. Because we know who the richest man is in the world, but we don't know who the most at peace person is in the world. <laughs> That's true. We have no metrics for something like peace. I, I think it's a very sub, quite subjective. Is it subjective? I, I guess peace would be subjective. Yeah, I'd say right. subjective and a bit a bit less tangible than monetary value. Yeah, there's, there's, there's no score given to it, even internally. It's like, oh, I mean, I think we can feel it. I think you know when you're at peace versus when you are in a state of disarray where you feel like you're out of balance in some capacity. Um, but having those check-ins and just a mental model around, one, I feel out of peace, and two, these are the things bringing me out of peace. Yeah, I think that awareness is the key, right? The, 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 first, the recognition of I am out of peace, and two, the recognition of what is bringing me out of peace. 
right? What is it that is not serving inner peace within me? And I think that recognition is such a power, is the, is the key to finding inner peace, right? Is being able to discern what in your life is currently not serving you in that way, right? What in your life mm -hmm. is currently not in alignment? What in your life is currently not in your highest interest and highest calling? Right. And I, mm. it comes down to attachments, right? It's a very similar um, concept that we talked about with the ego last week, where we were talking about, you know, how do you visualize the ego? Most of what the ego represents is an overlap of attachments and labels that we've created. I feel like a lot of those also come with inner peace, right? Where, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you eliminate the ego, you would achieve inner peace. Are we talking about the same thing? Mm. I think they are interconnected 100%. But I think you can, you can find inner peace whilst having an ego. You know, I think ego is, again, necessary in this modern context that we find ourselves in, right? It's, it's the, uh, it is the I, right? Ego is the I. Anything, anything that you say with I, that starts with I, is an attachment to the ego, and I think it's very hard to exist in today's context without an I. Right? It would be a bit difficult to navigate and operate. But I do think that you can have an I and not feel overly attached to that I. Right? Like by me saying I, I'm not really saying, I'm not really referring to myself. I'm referring to this. Uh, construction of myself. And I do think that you having that awareness of what is behind the layers and what are the layers, I think you can have that awareness and be able to achieve inner peace, even with having these somewhat necessary layers there, I think you can still achieve inner peace. Right. <clears throat> right. Well, I feel like maybe things are more interconnected than I believe because it's a matter of choosing the identity and the layers that serve you. Right. Right. And then integrating those layers in such a way where you can use them and actually, you know, use them as your super suits, as you will, like little costumes you put on every day, right. Be cognizant of them, aware of them and, you know, use them to promote that freedom. Right. It's moving through the world with these layers on deliberately, right? With the purpose and the mission in order to accomplish X, Y, and Z um, without, you know, necessarily destroying the ego, but finding peace through being able to move into freedom while wearing them. That's integration, right? It's like, it's actually wearing these things and operating in the material world while still maintaining um, that solace internally. Right. Right. And I think being able to wear these layers and not be fully identified with them, not feel attached to them. I think it's the attachment to the layers that can put us out of peace, you know, yeah. because once if, if I'm attached to these layers, then anything that goes against that, anything that is opposing that or not in alignment with that, I feel like it's a personal attack. Like yeah, I feel, take that personally. Yeah. You're very fragile. The more attachments you have. Right. Agreed. Like for every single one that you introduce, the more of a liability your identity becomes and the more liability that you become, you become, you know, much more easily taken down the more things we're attached to. And, you know, even these attachments, that's, that poses restriction, right? Like whenever I feel attached to, I don't know, like a relationship or um, this nice office I have, or, you know, anything around me, it creates restrictions 
um, and you are effectively less free and also less at peace because you're always stuck worrying <laughs> that something's going to happen to these things. Right. Yeah. And I, I think there's a, a correlation right, between the level of attachment and inner peace. I think there's an inverse correlation. Right? Perhaps the, the more attached you are to layers, to identity, the more prone you are to being out of peace right? versus the less because to be to be not attached to an ego ego identity, to feel less attached or to feel not attached to an ego identity, you have to have a knowing that you are not your ego. And if you are not your ego, then what are you, right? You are the, you are what's sitting behind the ego. You are the nameless, right? You are the nameless. You are the infinite. And once you get comfortable in that home, in that sense of self, in the unnamed sense of self, then I think that is a gateway to inner peace. Right? So I think there's a direct inverse correlation between these two things, right? Between attachment to ego and inner peace. Yeah, it's, it's a realization that you're never alone because you are everything and everything is you, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. How, how, I mean, once you... And, and, you know, there, there's an intellectual knowing of that, right? But then there is a true knowing of that, right? And I think that true knowing is, is inner peace. And in Kundalini, there's a beautiful mantra that gets used quite often, Right. At the end of every practice, we end with this chant, and then even a lot of different kriyas, different meditations have this mantra incorporated, and it is sat nam, right? And sat it is uh, truth, right? Truth or reality, right? So truth slash reality, and nam is identity slash name. Right. So what you're what you're chanting is essentially truth is my identity. Right. And that truth is that eternal truth, that truest truth, right? The infinite truth. And so this powerful mantra of truth is my identity, right? Truth is my reality. I think that you know, when you really come to that point of knowing that goes beyond the intellect and goes into a way of knowing where it just is, then I think you are on the path to inner peace, if not there to some degree. Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting. I'm with you hundred percent. I'm going to throw you a curveball though. So I was having a very interesting conversation with this girl I just met, um, this wonderful human being who I happened to meet at the dance party in the middle of the forest. And if you're talking about spirituality, right? And like, we're kind of edging on that subject as well. She said something very interesting. She said, um, forget spirituality, focus on opening the heart. You can remove all spirituality and any essence of it. As long as your heart is open, you're good to go. I thought that was extremely interesting because kind of like what we're describing goes beyond the self, right? Into this realm of not self. And what it felt like she was saying is, you know, opening your heart and in the, in the personal sense, like your heart, right, is the, the gateway to peace. What do you think about that? Mm. I, I hear what she's saying. You know, I, I think spirituality, uh, was she referring to spirituality as a, a, you know, in its definition of, you know, a, of relating to the soul or spirit beyond the physical? Or was she referring to spirituality in a cultural context, like this concept of spirituality that we have? Well, 
I didn't get the specifics on it, and I don't know what the intention was behind the words, but she just said, yo, drop spirituality. Remove it from the vocabulary and talk about the heart. You focus on the heart and your heart is open. You have everything you're ever going to need. I thought that was interesting because it's something that's much more tangible, right? Than going beyond the known, right? Mm. Going beyond the mm. ego and being like warped into this um, this amazing, like back into the molecular bond that um, constructs all of us. It's a, you know, it's much more tangible. It's in the middle of your chest. It beats boom, 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 boom every day, right? And something that you can feel through and identify with. Versus, you know, some of the other concepts of spirituality where it's like removing the identification with self. I, f- I felt it was just a very interesting contrasting point and got me really thinking about what sort of language we're using around peace and this integrated self. Yeah, that's interesting. And I think that you bringing that up, a lot of the way that spirituality is spoken about is it's still an identification with the self, you know, it's still an identification with, with, with some, it's still an attachment to something right now you're saying, Oh, well, I am this quote unquote spirit or this soul inside of this vessel. And we're creating an attachment to that. Right. Um, even though that, you know, in, in essence, is that, is that true? I, I believe so. Right. That there, there is a core us, right. There's a core you, there's a core me that, that is infinite and connected to this whole. And that is everything that ever was and ever will be simultaneously. And, but the way that we speak about it is very, you know, almost creates an egoic attachment to that, you know, to, to that soul mm-hmm. or spirit. Right. And I, so in that sense, I do hear what she's saying about, you know, drop spirituality and focus on opening the heart. I think opening the heart is, 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 is the gateway. You know, I, I think that is the the gateway to, higher consciousness you know i think it's hard i think it's hard to have i I think it's hard to achieve freedom or unity without having an open heart and i also think the analogy of the heart has always been so interesting to me because we have a physical you know we have an organ right we have the heart as an organ that beats and it is the, 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 the constant along with our prana, along with our breath, right? The heart beating is a constant from the moment we transition into this physical plane and then the moment that we transition out, right? But when people speak about opening the heart, right? And, love, and, and we often speak about love coming from the heart, do you do you think that we're referring to the organ of the heart? I don't think so. Or is it? Is, yeah, it's more about the heart chakra. Yeah. Yeah, I I, I feel as though it, it would start because you're right. Like the heart is temporary, right? It's like when you enter the physical plane, when you exit it, right? The heart does its job, and to focus on the heart is to focus on the temporary existence in this plane, right? And it, it, it simplifies things in a way, right? It's like, we're going to focus on what you can feel, right? Right. What you learned about in school, which we need to take care of. And it's something that like, yeah, like prana, it's a, it's a constant. And it's something you can feel and touch and it's in your chest and everyone has one. Right. And it's like a lot of these concepts really have more overlap into this quote unquote spiritual realm, but the focus on the integration and mastering the human form by focusing on the heart, I find fascinating. You know, maybe, maybe it's an angle worth exploring when we talk about these abstract concepts is actually bringing it to the heart space. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it's necessary. 
Right? I think it's it's necessary. I believe that's where, you know, the, the heart space is where gratitude stems from. It's where compassion stems from. It's where, you know, this this the expression of of love in a lot of senses stems from. Right. And I think those are I mean I mean underneath it all it it feels like love, you know, to me in my in my experience. Right. It's like when you peel back all of the layers, when you are when you are it, right? When you <laughs> when you are it, when you are the the nameless, it feels it it, it it's a knowing of ultimate love. You know, and I think that that comes from an opening of the heart space. Yeah, it's um, it really got me thinking. And it, it, I don't know, for a lot of things, I've been focusing this week on heart openers in my stretching and in my yoga and all the practices I do. I've been focusing on you know bringing breath and focus to my heart. I, I got to tell you, I feel pretty open. I feel pretty connected. Um, mm. I feel very feel well at peace. Oh yeah. Right now I feel extremely, extremely at peace. You know, there's a healthy amount of tension. And I, I think, I think this also comes with peace, right? And at least in the integrated world. Um, I feel like I have the right amount of pressure internally and externally that's holding me at peace in my current position. And, um, you know, because the pressure doesn't really go away. It's a, it's a matter of finding the methodologies to deal with the pressure, right? Like the pressures of work, the pressure of relationships, mm. the pressures of, you know, your social and your body and, uh, you know, everything that comes with being in, the, in this physical plane. It's like um, I feel the right amount of internal and external pressure that's creating this peaceful little chamber. And I'm always having to calibrate. Right. Like turn it up, turn it down. Or as the external pressure turns up, you know, maybe turn down the internal pressure and focus more on the external. It's um constant um recalibration of these of these different energies that define the um the trajectory and the wind, right? That goes blows in all these different directions that, you know, as I'm flying through the world. Right. And I, I think with this question that we're, you know, kind of riffing on around inner peace within an accelerating right, world, uh, I, I think it's, you know, the focus should be on how do we promote sustainable inner peace, mm. right? Because I think that you can achieve moments of inner peace, but how do you create inner peace as your base, you know, because it's, 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 it, I would, I would find it to be extremely difficult for, to, to operate within this world in any sort of, you know, modern integration and be feeling a sense of inner peace all the time. I would find that to be difficult. However, I do think it's achievable you know, but it's achievable for most, if not all, to have inner peace as a base, you know, and be able to recognize when we're out of peace and be able to address that, right? And be able to get back to our base of peace and have sustainable inner peace. Yeah, it's it's interesting because I feel like a lot of what we talk about, like through these different concepts, comes down to the visualizations, the visual component of, you know, uh, I was at peace, now I'm knocked out of it, right? And mm. when you get knocked out, it's like how there's, there's not much ceremony that we learn around identifying the thing that knocked, it, knocked us out and absolving it as well, Right. It's um, it's not a linear process, and every every single component that knocks us out of peace is um, you know, its own experience is a whole different take on um, what it means to divert our attention away from 
what's most important. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I think it's, it, it does in a sense really tie into what we were talking about last week about this, um, you know, being able to in real time address the things that come up, you know, and I think it's, it's similar here in this conversation of, of peace and being out of peace. How do we allow people to address and recognize, to recognize and address things as they as they arise, as they come up. And, and I think providing the space for people to express that creates a detachment to those things that are putting them out of peace, which I think is powerful. Dude, these By truth expressing cards. it outwardly. Yeah, tell me about the truth cards. Yeah, so the same uh, girl who was talking about the heart space, she has this um, product called Truth Cards, uh, radicalwellness.io, you can buy them. And created this like we did the whole truth circle tonight where you draw the cards and each one of them has a uh, very provocative interesting question on it that is meant to you know allow you to be in your radical truth and it created this interesting container where everyone was sharing some of the most interesting components of what you know some of their happiest memories as well as some of their saddest you know, created this container where you could be vulnerable and just talk about some of the most amazing things. You know, even, even I got, I felt like through a couple of these questions, I had gotten a couple of things off of my chest, um, just through like randomly selecting these cards and being vulnerable in that container with these questions. Um, I think we need a space to explore, um, you know, what's happening either internally, internally, intrinsically, or extrinsically. We need a safe space to explore these things when they come up in a safe space. I learned that. Mm. And how good did it feel to, how good does it feel to get things off your chest? Oh my God, dude. It's like a weight off your shoulders, right? Mm. Mm. And do you think that this, I mean, this expression, right? I think when we express things, when we verbalize things, when we are actually able to, yeah, bring them up and out in a way, it does create this sense of detachment. And Mm. do you think that that, do you think that it has equal value both in a context of, you know, what we were talking about last week in the form of a digital or visualization or it's you and an interface versus it's you and other people. Do you think that one is more or less effective, if you will? It depends on what kind of healer you are. Because everyone's everyone talks about like what kind of learner are you, right? It's like I'm I like to learn on my own or I like to learn in a group setting and there's different kinds of learners. I think there's also different kind of healers in that great segmentation. Yeah. I think there's like some people like to heal um, individually in a very introverted stance. Some people like to heal very externally, right. Through talking and breaking things down. Some people when they're going through shit, want a sounding board. Other people going through shit want nothing but peace and quiet in the woods. Right. I, I don't, I feel like it's comes down to personal preference and there should be a range of options, you know, where we can be vulnerable with each other or just vulnerable with ourselves. And sometimes, you know, I, I don't think there's a card in that deck I wouldn't have answered openly and honestly, but that's doesn't go for everybody um, who goes through these exercises. You know, I think, uh, I think we have to find the, the right mix of things that works for us. And I think it's a combination. I think it's um, one having people you can trust and, and rely on true friends who, you know, for, for a moment, you know, your problem becomes their problem, you know, like those real friends who are there for you. And um, as well as cultivating an internal practice where you can feel comfortable diving deeply into things that come up, without the need to express outwardly because, you know, people, we have a lot going on today and um, you know, you need, you need both. I think, I think you need a mix of um, extrinsic expression and intrinsic expression and conversation and dialogue around 
whatever it is you're going through. I agree. I agree. And, and when you were saying that, I, I guess a question came up that I'm curious to to ask around, you know, this concept of promoting inner peace. I think it's, I think, I think we need to be able to look at it in terms of, okay, if we're looking at promoting inner peace in this context, what do you think the most common barriers are to people finding peace today? Cause I feel like there's probably, you know, a few, uh, uh, there probably are some patterns, right? That cut across a lot of different people mm-hmm. in terms of what is creating a barrier to achieving inner peace. What do you think are, what are some things that come up for you in thinking about that? So I feel like there's a lot of tough conversations that need to be had to get to the point of peace. It's tough conversations with people around you right? Maybe some relationships are no longer serving you. Um, Maybe there's some new boundaries that need to be drawn as well as conversations with yourself where you just have to be honest, right? And say, you know, and I've I've been at these points. I've been at these inflection points where um, even, you know, I was programming, making really good money. And, um, you know, after fucking eight years of doing it, I had to say to myself, you know what, this isn't serving me anymore and drop it completely. And that wasn't an easy decision to make, right? And the thing that I identified with, you know, is my um, core contribution in the world, which is in the form of software engineering. I had to completely release and reinvent myself around peace as my primary objective, right? Um, I believe it comes in the form of tough conversations with yourself and others, Um and taking the action based on the insight, right? You know, you're unhappy. You've now identified what makes you unhappy. Now it's a matter of making it so the world, you can release that in the physical world. We need, we need more of this, this process of identifying what is bringing us out of alignment and you know, identifying next steps as to how to absolve it. And three, taking that action and sticking to it. You know, like the truth is a lot of things that make us unhappy and make us uh, bring us out of peace. They are habits, habits that have formed over many, many um, years or possibly even generations, right? Inherited from your parents. And it takes constant work and checking in to, you know, release those habits. Um, And there are, there are a lot of patterns. And I think it starts with the tough conversations, honesty, honesty is to, an identification as to what brings you peace and a relentless pursuit of things that bring you into your heart center. Mm, mm. I am in full agreement. I'm with you hundred percent. I think, you know, for me, it's of course what we were speaking to before around the identification with uh, this attachment to identity let's call it. I think that's a barrier. I also think the unwillingness to be truthful is a barrier, right? Kind of what you just spoke to, like this, this honesty, right? And real, and really, what does that mean, right? What does that mean to be truthful and to come from a place of honesty? And how much weight would be off your shoulders if you were just fully honest with yourself and with uh, others and with how you operate. And also, I think lastly, one thing is I think the the non-acceptance of change, I think is some is a barrier to inner peace, right? And I think we like to, to get past that, we have to be fully embracing of change. I was actually listening to Ramdas uh, one of his lectures yesterday, and it was all about aging but he spoke to aging in the context purely in the context of change right? and how change you know we have to be in full acceptance of change right and i feel like and celebration of change and understanding that change is truth and change is life right and i think this non-acceptance of change is another barrier but i, I think you know what you were saying 
sounds like there's a bit of a framework in terms of putting this into a an effective format at least at a high level right you know i think we're we're circling around some interesting concepts of you know p- capturing these things in real time and creating space for expression creating creating space for recognition and expression and then subsequently creating a framework to make the necessary changes to address that Right. And I think those are some really interesting concepts that have legs in terms of a high level framework of what could be helpful. You know, it's funny you talk about that lecture um, about aging and, you know, you actually taught me this lesson. I was uh, telling you about my T-shirt, um, my I, I Trust You T-shirt, very powerful piece of uh, clothing. I Trust You Movement on Instagram. Check it out. And. I remember I was telling you, I, I had some botches in the t-shirt, you know, it was like blue and um, it's like a magenta t-shirt, but it's got like blue intertwined. And suddenly all these, like, I think I left it in the sun too long and all these, uh, I've just been wearing it for years now. And all these big blue spots have started popping up. And I was telling you, I'm like, man, I'm, I don't know how much longer this t-shirt has, you know, it's like getting all spotty and it doesn't look the same. And, you know, you, you said something pretty profound. You're like, you know, clothes evolve like we do they change right it's it's not it's no long it's not a bad t-shirt it's not getting old or raggedy it's just changing right and i i remember looking back at my t-shirt sitting on the um the laundry and i looked at it completely differently and you know ever since that moment i never saw that t-shirt the same i still wear it all the time um, you know, so it's recognizing the change and running with it rather than fighting it or feeling like there's some sort of loss. I felt like my favorite t-shirt's going bye-bye. It's on its way out. I got to retire it. Right. Versus now I wear it every day with pride, you know, that, you know, right. I'm, I'm staying sustainable and I'm embracing the change rather than fighting it and calling it ugly. You know, it's like these spots are beautiful. It's part of the evolution of the shirt. It's not the end of the shirt is one might see because it's no longer looks how you expect it to. Right. Right. And that expectation is, is like a fixed model, right? It's like you have a fixed model of what you think this shirt is. Right. And now it no longer fits that model. Right. So now it's no longer, you know, it's no longer this shirt that I love so much. But if you, if you remove that model and just take the shirt for what it is, and accepting that evolution of the the shirt, right, and and the you know perhaps the character building of the shirt, and, and without being attached to a model of what the shirt is, then yeah, and, and I think that dude, that's such a big it's such a big barrier, right, to to finding peace is this non acceptance of change, right? We 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 hold on to, you know, we, we fight change as if it's, yeah, as if it's doing something to us, <laughs> you know, as if we're being attacked by it. Right. Whereas change is the only, is, is, is the only constant that we have in this, in this world, right. In this life, everything in life is changing at every single moment and that is the constant right it's kind of ironic that change is the constant but but it is and we fight it so much and i think if we were able to address that barrier and become a lot more embracing of and celebrating of and accepting of change i think that is one of the barriers to inner peace that we should look at how to overcome but it's tough, much easier said than done, all of these things, right? Which is why I think that, you know, like I, I like where the, I like where these ideas are, I like the ideas that are beginning to formulate, you know, because these things are a lot easier said than done. But what if there were, you know, what if we were able to provide a, you know, some sort of framework or some sort of um, companion or some sort of tool that can facilitate uh, some of these changes, right? Yeah. It's, it's kind of like a tree, right? You have the stiffest tree gets broken in the wind, right? You got to be able to 
to move right and blow with the wind <laughs> you know you you stay too stiff like you're going to crack um you know it's it's playing with gravity not trying to fight it and say oh gravity fucked me up <laughs> right that's it's not very productive it's um running with the changes that they come yeah <laughs> um, and I, I definitely i'm beginning to see some themes form right i think a yeah, lot same. of it a lot of things come down to identification, visualization, and um, building these models in such a way where we can promote these core human um, pursuits, which you know have don't really have form. It's really interesting when we talk about we get to the stage of like, okay, we've like identified the problem. Now let's bring it to um, visualization. I don't have much visualizations to go off of. You know, I can we can identify what a banana looks like, but you don't know what peace looks like, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And does you it know, even look like it? What does it look like? Does it have a look? Right. Right. It's it comes down to feeling, and it's a it's a very subjective, personal, intrinsic state of mind, which can't be measured and it can't be. Um, can't be spent. It can't be shared. Right? You can have someone who's perfectly at peace in, in one side of the couch, and the other, someone's entire inner world is call, is falling apart. But you know, you're looking at these two people on the couch, and they look exactly the same. Nothing to indicate whether someone's at peace or someone's in this whole world of pain. Right? Right. So it's it's very interesting in that you become your own uh, judge, jury detective per, per, perpetrator, you know, like you're kind of playing all the roles of the court when it comes to, you know, what is it around peace and internal state of mind? There's no other characters except for the ones that you make up and introduce into the mix. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I think there is, there are definitely some themes starting to form and uh, yeah the visualization pieces it, it's it, i guess it's it's just new territory right it's like when has anyone ever tried to visualize peace or visualize the ego in such a way but i think identification visualization and practice right like putting putting something into practice or you know, rewiring mental models or whatever that third component is. I think there seems to be some like high level themes starting to come together. Well, one of the things that came up in my meditation today is the prospect of gamification of once you mm-hmm. have broken down the ego, if you will, into the visualization, right? You have all the different bubbles of all the things that represent your different labels and identities, right? How many different pop the bubble games have you seen out in the wild? You can (laughs) shoot shit at it. You can tap it on your phone, right? You can like fight it like a fucking giant ball monster, (laughs) right? Like maybe, maybe it's a matter of like making it into something playful where for sure, you know, for sure. you can actually interact with it, right? And for uh, sure. Um, or even like ask for somebody's help. You know, you're like attacking the um, these metaphorical components of your ego. You know, maybe there's a way to make it fun and maybe make it something that feels more approachable and something that you can identify with while in front of your device, right? I mean, imagine yeah. how beautiful it would be if um, you're scrolling Instagram, you know, maybe I'll just give you an example. You see your ex girlfriend's post with their new man you feel that unlovedness you feel the jealousy right you feel all these emotions washing over you and you can then go back to the ego and then say hey this is what kind of what happened and you know it's almost like a new challenger appears of like okay let's like let's play with this let's dance with it a bit and figure out how to what approach do you want to take to unraveling it right is going to be a meditation approach is going to be Maybe talking with somebody about it is it going to be maybe playing with it in a in a shoot 'em up game, um, some way for you to, you know, begin to work through this new component of the ego or you know the previous component that was identified and, and was brought to your attention in this uh, current context. 
something I've been thinking about. How do you gamify um, deta- detachment from your ego? Right, right. I think that is, yeah, I think that's that interaction. It, it amplifies the experience. And I think adding those game design principles, it also creates habits. You know, I think gamification does a good job of creating habit loops. And, you know, if there was a game, if there were game game design elements or, or principles in there that made it engage more engaging than people would, it, it would make it a lot more useful because it would be a lot more habitual to identify these things in real time when they come up and approachable you know? and, right? and approachable. Exactly. Mm. Cause if you can actually identify in real time, like I feel this and it's based on, I, because I felt this, that, and that you're right there. Right. It's like, yeah, you, you have a mental model to, um, deal with these emotions as they present themselves. Yeah. That's half the battle. It's like identification and being cognizant of these things rather than pushing them off to the side or throwing them in the back and, you know, not doing the work or leaning into them. And, you know, they, they, they accumulate, they calcify if they go unrecognized and um, they're not addressed. Yeah, I agree. I th- think awareness and identification is, you know, you're 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 already there. You know, that that's that's the first huge step is recognizing, identifying, becoming aware of is the first huge step. And to make that tangible, right? To to actually make that cuz it's one thing to have it be identified in your own mind but i think it's another thing to verb to express that externally you know i think it's a whole other thing to express that externally um but yeah powerful stuff i think i think we're seeing some themes emerging i think we're seeing a some sort of a abstract framework beginning to come together yeah well this is cool all right thanks for joining everybody all right